Chapter 19 is the chapter that deals with the Pora Aduma, the red heifer. The chapter describes how the red heifer will be used as part of the purification process of someone who has come into contact with a corpse. Come into contact means either has touched the corpse, or in this particular chapter, even if the person is in the same space as the corpse, in the same building as the corpse, the same tent, that also is cause of the contraction of impurity, of tumma. The tumma can be acquired through touching, or even by being in the same enclosed space. What is curious about chapter 19 is that chapter 19 deals with essentially what we call tumat mate, the tumor that a person contracts by coming in contact with one who has died. And we would have expected to find this tumor in the book of Vayikra, which deals with other impurities. The Mitzora, the Zav and the Zava, these are discussed at length in the book of Vayikra, chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15. There are serious impurities. Those three require a period of seven days. They also require those three, the Mitzora and the Zav and the Zava, they require a sacrifice at the end of the seven-day period. In the case of Tumat Beit, there's no sacrifice, but is without question a very severe Tumat. In fact, unlike the other Tumat that I've described, Mitzora, Zav, Zava, those are Tumat that are result from something that is, comes from the person. Person becomes a mitzvah. The person has some kind of discharge, which renders the person a zav or a or a zava. Case of mate, that's not the case. You can contract this severe tumor through touch alone, or even without touching, simply being in the same space. And secondly, what makes it particular curious that the parsha of the paraduma is here. Of course, the Torah has alluded to tumat mate earlier, even in the book of Bamidbar. On more than one occasion, chapter five, send out of the camp. Or chapter nine, the story of those people who were wanted to bring the paschal sacrifice but couldn't do so, for as they said, and it sounds like the tumah was a function of coming in contact with someone who had died. But the rules of purification rules are found in chapter 19. And what is particularly curious about chapter 19 is that this purification process, that is to say, the burning of the heifer, the red heifer, para aduma, and the taking of the ashes, and the placing of the ashes, conjoining it with the water, and the sprinkling of the ashes facing the temple, and the sprinkling of the blood of the para aduma, and then mixing the ashes together with the water, as part of this purification process, and the person undergoing this treatment on the third and seventh day of the person's impurity. The Torah calls the para aduma a chatat. Now the word chatat means a sin offering. And in fact, if you look at chapter 19, you will see that seven different times in this chapter, the verb, the word chet, tet, aleph, chet, l'chatei, chatat, appears. So the para aduma is not just a purification ritual, but the para aduma, despite the fact 
that this takes place outside the temple precincts, outside the camp, but the Torah seemed to describe the ritual of the Parah Aduma as a kind of sacrificial ritual. So from that standpoint, it would have been much more appropriate to discuss and describe it in the book of Vayikra, both from the standpoint of impurities, makes sense in Vayikra, and from the standpoint of the sacrificial ritual, makes complete sense in the book of Vayikra, which deals with those two topics as essential topics of the book of Vayikra. We encounter it midway through the book of Bamidbar. I would suggest that the presence of the Parah Aduma in the book of Bamidbar has to do with the larger narrative. In the previous story, we are told of the plague that the people suffer in the Korach rebellion. The people have rejected the leadership of Moshe, in effect rejected the way God has set up the camp. And the Korach rebellion is the culmination of the murmuring and the complaints that we first encountered in chapter 11. And there's a great plague, and Aaron is told by Moshe to go out to try to stop the plague, and Aaron took the, his censer and took the incense, the ketoret, the Torah said, he stood between the living and the dead, that's the narrative of the Korach rebellion. Aaron is able to stop the plague, to stand between those who live and those who die. Chapter 19, the Parah Aduma, is chapter 20, the very beginning of chapter 20, the very next verse after the Paraduma ritual is described is the death of Miriam. And when Miriam dies, says the Torah, there's no water for the congregation. And the people complain and murmur, why did you bring us to the desert, this place where nothing grows? And Moshe and Aaron come back to the tent of meeting, fall on their faces, and God instructs them to take the staff to go to the rock and to speak to the rock in the presence of the people. Something goes wrong in that story. And at the end of that episode, famously God says to Moshe and about Aaron as well, you will not enter the land. You did not succeed in sanctifying me before the people. Now in that story, when Moshe addresses the people, and there are many different opinions exactly what Moshe did wrong. Rashi says that what he did wrong was strike the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Many others disagree with that. What's the difference, they say, if you strike a rock or you talk to the rock? Either way, it's a miracle. Strike a rock all day long, no water will come out. They have different opinions. And one of the opinions is that what Moshe does wrong over here, he speaks to the people and he says, Shimu hamorim, you rebellious ones. Hamorim, the rebellious ones. The story begins with the death of Miriam. And in this story, the story of the, the water and the rock, what is unclear in the story, and this is a very central point in the book of Bamidbar, it's not clear to whom Moshe is speaking. Is Moshe speaking in this story to the people that left the land of Egypt, to the first generation? Or is Moshe speaking in the story already to the children of those people, to the second generation? It is certainly the case that in chapter 20, there's a transitional chapter that we move from one generation to the next. And one explanation of what Moshe does wrong is he speaks to the second generation as he imagines the first generation. In point of fact, the second generation is different. They're not so much 
they don't say take us back to Egypt. They say there's no point to come to a desert. Take us to the promised land. This is the central theme of the book of Bamidbar. So the book of Bamidbar is about two generations, and it's about the ability of a second generation to establish their own identity. On one hand, the covenant means you connect to the first generation. You see yourself as a continuation. The covenant is three generations and a fourth generation. Three generations of suffering, the fourth generation possesses the land. So the fourth generation has to see itself as a continuation, but also has to see itself as different and as separate. And that, I think, is the point of the Parah Duma ritual as we see it in chapter 19. Coming into contact with the dead renders you impure. Coming into contact with the other has an effect on you. But there is a way, says the Torah, to remove the impurity, which of course is, in the deepest sense, the story of the Book of Bamidbar. On one hand, the second generation has to see themselves as a continuation, has to see themselves as those people who left Egypt. They connect to that event. That is, in fact, in the Torah, the central event we are commanded to remember. By the same token, they're not those people. By the same token, they have to be able to move forward, which in the book of Bamidbar they do. So the Parah Aduma ritual then has been delayed, one might say. The Torah delays informing us about the ability to purify oneself from contact with that which is negative, and it delays it till it comes to the critical moment in the book of Bamidbar, the moment of transition, where the second generation emerges. It is very interesting to note that the emergence of the second generation, and it's certainly the case that the second generation does emerge, there's a separate census, there's the beginning of the conquest of the land, but it's very hard to pinpoint the exact moment. I think that's intentional in the Chumash, because on one hand, there are two generations, there are two numberings. On the other hand, the Torah wants us to see the two generations as one continuum. One simply continues the other. It's not a breaking from the past. It's a continuing the past, but establishing of a different identity, of our own identity. And that's the story of the book of Bamidbar, and the possibility of doing that. The possibility of coming into contact with impurities, but ridding oneself of those impurities through an elaborate ritual is precisely the story of chapter 19, the story of the Parah Aduma.